1: Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's Britt here today. We have some hot topics to cover today with this amazing guest that has a truly inspirational story here. The guest I'm bringing on, Matt Cavanaugh, is the founder of Freedom Chasers Podcast, a podcast that inspires real estate agents and working professionals to leave their day jobs for lives of greater freedom and purpose. Matt previously was on top was a top performing sales professional in the B2B space, as well as a high school math teacher. As a thought leader, Matt shares his expertise in real estate investing and lifestyle design on the Freedom Chasers podcast and in real life, or sorry guys, and in real estate venues across the country. So welcome to the show, Matt. How's it going?
2: Good. How are you? Thanks for having me on.
1: Absolutely. It's such a, it's a privilege to have you on today. I'm really looking forward to, you know, starting off with you telling your story, because for myself, I find it really relatable. And I know that there's people out there that are gonna want to do the same kind of thing that you have done. So if you don't mind starting, taking us back to, you know, how you got to where you are today. Because like I said, I, I find it truly um inspiring.
2: Yeah. So my my life is a combination of both the choices that I've made and the circumstances that life has put me in. And so I sought out to be a, a math teacher, got my degree, started teaching. And at that point, I just happened to enter the teaching field at a time economically, 2009, where there was a recession. So we were experiencing some of those impacts with our pay being cut, and just the way that we were being managed, it just made it a lot easier to make a decision to leave the teaching field. I think if I had become a teacher in almost any other era, I would have been a teacher my whole life. And so really, that's where the circumstances came in, because we were on a very tight teaching contract, then with pay reductions, it wasn't really enough to, to be able to make a living or support a family. So I made the transition into sales, and that was where you know my life was completely changed. You know, the building of the sales skills led me to be able to do other things like investing, which led me into real estate and then eventually on to to financial freedom.
1: Incredible. That's huge. Now, from going from what made you jump into, you know, wanting a different lifestyle, wanting that financial freedom, where was it that you had that epiphany? And um, if you can take us a little bit deeper, I think that would be amazing.
2: Yeah. So I would describe myself as a visionary. And so for anybody out there listening, a visionary, if you haven't heard that term before, is somebody that has a lot of ideas. It's somebody that spends as much time thinking about the future as they do anything else. So I spend probably 50% or more of my time thinking about the future and maybe only 50% of my time thinking about the past and the present. And so because I think in that way, I think what things could be, and I have business ideas and ideas for how life goes. And so I think the more that a person's a visionary, the more that they see the world for how it can be. Well, what's the what's the downside of that? Well, when you're seeing the world for the way it can be, and you're working a job that's telling you you have to do it this way, a lot of times you don't have the freedom to make the world the way that you want it. You don't have the freedom over your schedule, freedom over your time. In my case, in teaching, it was I didn't have the freedom to even teach the kids the way I wanted to teach them because we had to follow particular lesson plans in exact ways. And so that that started to make me feel like, hey, this isn't maybe this is not a fit. Maybe I should do something else. And so with those economic circumstances happening, it paved the way uh, to be able to experience greater freedom. So I went into sales, still working for a company still w2 but but yet i had the time freedom like during the day i would go do sales calls but i could carve out an hour and go spend time with you know my kids or go here or there and so getting that freedom gave me a taste for a greater freedom which is what happens if i had no boss whatsoever what happens you know in those cases so now i still work cuz i want to provide value to the world but if we want to spend three weeks in Mexico, like we did a couple of weeks ago, we can. If we want to go to Alaska or wherever, there's nobody telling me I can't go. And because of the way that we strategically invested, there's nothing saying uh, financially or otherwise that we can't can't go do that.
1: Incredible. I mean, how does it feel to you know going from working for someone for for however long to you know having the choice of yes working for yourself or not working at all how does that how does that feel to you today like compared to the way it would have felt back when you didn't have those
2: options it's i mean it's a pretty tremendous feeling but what's been interesting for me is because i've always had a heart for service and i've always had a heart for people and so the thing that's interesting is like when i was in high school i didn't like to read but then i got out of high school and found business and then i became an avid reader and so you would think okay know, Matt worked like a dog as a teacher, which I did, and then maybe even more in sales and so on and so forth. Now that you have financial freedom, you can sit on the beach. The reality is is that I like to work even harder now than when I was in those positions because I I get to choose. And, And the mission that I'm on in life is to help people reach that same goal. And so because it's not about the money anymore, it's about the impact, it's actually more meaningful to me. And so therefore it's more even more enjoyable to do the work and so i find myself working as much or more hours with even more passion and intensity because it, the mission now is not about the money it's it's about how can we change lives
1: yeah and the impact you're making on so many people's lives it's it's huge and like like you're starting to like reading and It's because you're passionate about helping these people, you know, and you don't just see the dollar signs, you know, it's coming, (laughs) you know, and you're making a difference in so many people's lives. That's huge. So how do you feel about, you know, when it comes to sales and those limiting beliefs, like, did you have any of those same similar limiting beliefs when you thought about going into sales?
2: Not only did I have limiting beliefs, I had beliefs placed on me. By none other than even my wife. Um, And, you know, she's a tremendous partner. And yet she didn't know any salespeople that were uh, ethical, we'll say. And so she looks at me, she goes, You're a noble teacher. You've never had any sales skills. You're not tall, slick. You know, you're, I was not the stereotypical salesperson mold in her mind. So even someone as close as my spouse was saying, Hey, are you sure about this? Plus, there was an element of, Telling someone your husband is a teacher is a pretty cool, noble thing to say, right? People go, oh, that's so wonderful. Telling them you're a laundry salesman is like probably the complete opposite. One of the worst things for most women that they would ever want to say that their husband does for a living, you know, salesman's already bad enough. And so I think between the image change and between her perception of what that was, she was doing everything within her reasonable power to say, are we sure about this? And I already had my own insecurities and my own limiting beliefs. But the fact was, at that time, we were choosing whether or not we were going to eat pizza on a Friday night or run our air conditioner for the next week, because that's how tight it was. Our take home by the time we paid our insurance, and was like 25 grand a year. And so that, that ultimately was the, the driving factor.
1: Wow. Yeah, it's hard, especially, you know, what I've heard from entrepreneurs and everyone else who's like taking that leap of faith into um, their journey within the business or starting a business or whatever it might be is, you know, the limiting beliefs of themselves and even other people, especially ones close to, you, you know, so it's, and what I think it might be is their own fear, right? The fear of failure, because we are all taught to, you know, go, go to school, get a job, blah, 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 you'll be fine. But in reality, we're not fine, you know, um, working for someone else. Your take home at the end of the day is not that much a lot of the time, right? So um, definitely agree with you there. So tell me a little bit about, you know, what you learned from over a hundred uh, millionaires in the last six months.
2: Yeah, yeah, which is crazy because as huge. The time <laughs> has gone, we're now at like 150 and what's really interesting um, is when you interview one millionaire, you get strategies or ideas. When you interview 150 millionaires, you get 150 strategies, and ideas, plus you get what I like to think of as perspective. You get to see what are the themes that tie these people together? What are the things that are important? And the vast and overwhelming thing that I learned from interviewing these millionaires is the power of relationships because not only from the sense that you're you can learn from them you can you can leverage those relationships to provide them value to provide yourself value um but when i asked and, and almost almost everybody we've interviewed has a net worth of at least a million dollars some have inter- a net worths of significantly greater than that so these are people that have accomplished something in life as far as finances go many of them had multiple seven figure portfolios and we would ask them hey you have a, a Uh, $300 million real estate portfolio. If you had to choose between giving up that portfolio or giving up your relationships with the people that you know now, not even family, you keep your family, but any business relationship you'd have to give up, what would you do? And without thinking about it, almost every single person immediately said, I'd keep my relationships over my portfolio. And so perspective comes in the sense that you get to see like, what are people prioritizing? What are they valuing? And relationships seems to be the absolute hallmark of value in anybody I've ever interviewed that has any level of success. And you know, it's like it's one thing if someone that has hundred dollars for their name says I'd keep my relationships over their hundred dollars. It's like okay, well I get that, but people are saying I, I would I would keep my relationships over eight hundred million. And it's not even like they you know like they would even like expound upon it. They would say things like. Well, relationships can be built and it would probably take me X amount of time to build that number of relationships, but still nonetheless, they felt that building relationships would be significantly harder and would take more time than building a $300 million real estate portfolio. And so for that reason, I would say perspective is one of the biggest things I've gotten. And, and the, the most important perspective is that of the value of relationships in our life.
1: Absolutely. It's, it's actually crazy you know, how many people are willing, these millionaires are saying that they would rather keep the relationships than like, that's huge. That shows you something, how valuable relationships are. So that's huge. How do, so how does it feel like, you know, having these conversations with millionaires and, and stuff like that, and it opens up one network to the next, and you get to keep all these tips and tricks, you know, how does that feel today?
2: It's, it's wonderful. And it's wonderful in ways that maybe people would expect and maybe they wouldn't. So one thing is, is like, you start to find people that have similarities, because for me, I'm a person of passion, I'm a person of energy, a person that takes lots of action. And what most people who are really high energy discover is that there's not always that many people locally around them that are similar. In fact, most of their peer groups are telling them, hey, you know, you're a little too high, high energy, you know, you're a little too focused on work or too focused on that. And, and so they're kind of put in boxes and there's a little element of, hey, like finding people like me would be really nice. And when that's one thing that I've really, really, really enjoyed is interviewing these people. There are so many people that have similar personalities and traits um, and similar orientations towards risk. And not being scared, you know, like a lot of my local friends, they're, they're tremendous people. But like, they're usually fairly cautious. And, you know, my, my interviews and those group of friends, they're not. Um, and so the adventures you can go on in life are pretty cool when risk is not that big of a deal. And so I would say that's one of the things that I value in life is I, when I get to my deathbed, I'd like to be at a place where it's like, wow, like that was a pretty crazy life. I had a pretty amazing set of adventures, and so to me, there's not many ways in life that I want to play it super, super safe. I don't want to do anything, you know, without due diligence. But at the same point, like, you know, anytime you you take a big risk and it fails, you have a great story, and anytime it doesn't fail, you have a great experience. So, either way, um, I, I would say the best thing, in my opinion other than just the learning is, is the fact that you get to meet people that are the type of people that you want to be around. And for me, they have a tremendous amount of similarity. So we become instant friends.
1: Absolutely. And how do you find that with, you know, within podcasting, I mean, you're able to find these people globally now and you're like, Holy crap, there's way more people out there similar to me, you know, who, who aren't afraid of the risk and have that same kind of, um, mentality in regards to risk, right? And um, not afraid of what might go wrong, but open to what all the good things that could come of it, right?
2: Yep, exactly.
1: So I just want to dive in quickly as to the five different strategies that you, that I know you have a lot of value behind them within business and everything. If you don't mind diving into those five strategies, I think it would be um, a perfect time for it.
2: Yeah. So tell me the five strategies, go be a little bit more specific. Yeah. So
1: yeah, I believe the five strategies of that took you from zero to the financial freedom. If that's, I think that's what I, I want to hear more about. Yeah.
2: Yeah, sure. So, and we could talk about steps and we could talk about phases. So like if we talk Mm -hmm. about phases, the first one is that of mindset. I think if someone wants to become financially free, the first step is to actually make a decision in their mind that that's what they want Um, because there's a series of steps after that like taking on risk or you know taking on the risk of time to learn things that have to happen so i think the first thing is someone has to realize like they, they really do want financial freedom and they want it more than other things like they're willing to sacrifice some of their times on their evenings or weekends or they're willing to sacrifice maybe the comfort of not having to reach out and meet people or talk to people or you know, those sorts of activities. And so I would say, number one is making the decision that it's an important pillar of your life and surrounding yourself with the thoughts of what happens when you reach it. What happens when you no longer have to call your boss to get a day off? What happens when you get to go places when you want to go there? Because you're just not having to think or stress about money. Like, could you visit your friends more? Could you visit your family more? What kind of experiences could you give yourself or your kids What kind of impact could you have on the world? And when you start making that in the foreground, now it becomes more just about taking action in the strategy. And so one of the things, unfortunately, that I think is talked about a lot in business is how many of something can I do? How big can I get? You know, and how big can I make my bank accounts? We operate from a very different philosophy, which is how few of something can we do to reach the entire outcome? One of the reasons I think people fail at the things that they do is because they make the thing more complex than it needs to be. So complexity generally is the enemy of action, it's the enemy of success. And so one of the ways that you can make something more simple is by, first of all, minimizing how many of that thing you have to do. Because if you make it a very small number, at least you eliminate the need to have to scale the thing. And so we started thinking, well, okay, so for me, it took five properties uh, two buying and then selling those two and then buying three more to to reach a level of income that we could live off of. Well, it wouldn't have been an amazing living, but we could live off of it. And so that is a very different number than most people. Most people think they can make hundred dollars a unit. If they want ten thousand dollars a month, they have to have a lot of properties. They have to have like a hundred properties. That's a very complicated. Even thinking of I have to buy a hundred properties and manage them is like most people are like, no thank you. But when you're like, hey, it could be five. I think a lot of people can get their head around five. And since I've been interviewing a lot of people, there are many of our guests have gotten retirement level income off of one property. Guy I just got off a call with is going to make $2 million on one single deal. He either can sell that property and get his 2 million, or he can keep it and make over $10,000 a month. Another person I interviewed a couple months ago, he did a small deal down in LA and that deal is spitting out over $10,000 a month in income for him. And the list goes on and on and on. And so that was the first thing recognizing in my own journey and then the journey of others is that it doesn't have to take a lot and we can simplify the, the process. And the first simplification is showing it doesn't take a lot, it takes few. And so we ask ourselves how few can we do this in? And then we start asking ourselves questions about how little work can we do to make it happen? How can we leverage the skills and the values and the the time of others? So basically from there, it goes into a process of how do you build your team? And then the team builds the portfolio for you. So you're using the money, the time, the resources, the knowledge, and the energy of others that happily give it to you because they get paid for their work. And so that's really rounds out those five steps where essentially you're going from making a decision for financial freedom and within five years or less, you can do it in your less if, if you get really aggressive, but within five years or less, you're living a life of freedom. And the really the only things that you had to do in that process were make the decision to be financially free, build relationships, and make the decisions on what properties you want to own.
1: Wow. Well, thank you so much for taking us through that because that's huge. I mean, it- when you're talking to these people in your podcast, how do you go about finding these people with these incredible or attracting them to your podcast um, and having them on as a guest
2: to share these incredible stories? Um, tell me a bit about that. About the process of how do we attract our guests? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that part's like one of the most simple parts. I thought that was going to be the absolutely most difficult thing. Like who's going to want to be on right. a new podcast? Who's going to want to talk to me, uh, let alone for like an hour? And of course, I have a great co-host, Tim, that's been a huge part of this development. We've worked on this together since last May. Uh, he has done more of the guest booking, but we put together, because I'm I'm in sales and he has sales background, we put together a message uh, that we would put out to the guests in a communication process. And by the way, your guys' process is very, uh, you guys send out a lot of communication to guests as well. So it's really just communicating what. You like in them and what they can provide and how it will benefit the audience and so on and so forth and getting that message back. And before we even had an audience, we just knew who we wanted our audience to be, and so we would just share: this is the audience we're targeting. Here's why this is a fit. We'd love to get your message out there. Um, And we were just shocked. We thought at the beginning we were going to get eight no's or nine no's out of ten. We thought people are going to ask us, well, how many listeners do you have? we've had like two guests out of like two or 300 requests that have asked those types of questions or turned us down. Like our yes rate is like 97%. It's like so dumb. Like I was just so surprised by that.
1: It's because you're adding so much value. Right. And honestly, um, that's huge. You know who you want to bring on, you you know, that avatar who you're going to bring on. And, you know, that's so important, I think, to narrow that down. And then the success rate just goes all the way up. So, Matt, tell me a little bit about, you know, what your client acquisition is like when within uh, maybe with you both yourself and Tim when finding the right people to work with.
2: Yeah. So Tim and I both run different businesses. So Tim runs a business where he does broker price opinions for the banks. And I have a business where I do local real estate and I have a team. Um, And then we have our investments. Um, And so like I own properties across the country and those provide rental income. So for our first seven or eight months, we haven't really concerned ourselves too much with making income with the podcast because the main point was, well, Hey, we have our businesses. And so we really mm-hmm. want to focus all of our energies on getting great guests and being a great host and, and and doing great interviews. We've we've started to transition as of late to what you know, creating our vision for the monetization. And so we're there's, as you know, you guys have, have a monetization strategy of the guests themselves. So there's the monetization of the guests, there's a monetization of the audience, there's and there's other other modalities as well. So our 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 big thing is just we wanted to build both the audience and the guests and and kind of allow our guests to communicate what value they wanted from us before we launched our our products that serve them. So the biggest thing is we're a little bit more mission driven than monetization driven. And so the mission that we're on is to help people achieve financial freedom faster and easier so that they can go on to live lives of purpose. and so you know, we're just kind of settling on the likely realities we'll probably provide events for our guests uh, to mastermind with each other. And then we'll provide more education-based resources for our audience. And so we're kind of more in the early phases of, of that rollout, but that's, a it's kind of secondary to us uh, as compared to the mission.
1: Absolutely. So back to, you know, working with people who want to leave the um, daytime job or day nine to five rat race kind of thing and earn that financial freedom. I was curious, what are some of the most common objections um, that you encounter when speaking with people that are interested in becoming uh, financially free? I know you mentioned the fear of failure, or I might have mentioned that, but we were kind of – leaning towards that, right? A little bit of that and limiting beliefs. Are there any other common objections that you often hear?
2: Um, So when we introduce the topic, everybody's on board, right? I mean, it's like, who doesn't want financial freedom? Um, And so the question then becomes, okay, well, as they become exposed to the process, then, then their underlying beliefs and thoughts will start kicking in. Like, Um, so let's say they decide they want to raise money from other people. Well, then it's like, do they have limiting beliefs about whether or not they should ask people? Some people really don't want to ask people for money and, or maybe they have underlying doubts about, can they take the money that they've been granted from somebody and can they invest it wisely? And so everybody's has different hangups as far as where in the process, their, their psychology, their mindset just kind of revolts and says, Hey, no, you, you, you can't do this you know, and, and it manifests in different ways. Sometimes it manifests as, and I don't want to do this. Sometimes it manifests, your voice comes out and says, well, this is unethical, even though it's not right. It's just, you know, like some people have a complete aversion to sales in general. They're like, I would never sell yeah. anything to anybody. That's so icky. Other people like they'll, you know, very, very different. So we have these belief patterns that we've built our entire lives. And so everybody comes into it from a different vantage point, but i I've, I've very rarely, if ever met someone who says, I don't want financial freedom. It's more once they start walking down that road, what obstacles and limiting beliefs have to be knocked down to allow them to to continue moving forward it, towards it.
1: Absolutely. What What are the pain and struggles? And you know, we all want that trip to Maui. We don't, we, we all want to go to Maui, but no one wants to, you know, figure out how to get there. You just want to get there, right? And to really be able to work with them and be like, okay, we're gonna get you here. Just focus on getting there, right? So yeah. Yeah. This is I, amazing. I think,
2: yeah. And and like people, you know, it's becoming more common that speakers and and whatnot will talk about the why. I think the why is important. I think especially when the why is surrounded in mission. I think when your goals are surrounded in the service of others the chance of success is much higher and i think especially when the service of other comes with with a pictorial like story like so for example like when i picture myself sitting there deciding whether we're going to have a pizza or listen or or have air conditioning and when i think about the similar type of struggles that people have and it's like okay if i don't show up for work today somebody if not a lot of people out there are going to have that same unfortunate choice and so it's one thing when you're thinking about yourself which is a which is a big part of it right you want to be on the beach you want to be here those are those are valuable things to think about but then there's also mm-hmm. some people get hung up because while they want something they're still willing to let what they want go to not experience the discomfort one of the strategies both to help people become more successful and to help people help others more is to help them paint a clear enough picture of the pain that their avatar will have to potentially experience for the rest of their life. If they don't show up and do the work. That's huge. So
1: that is huge. And also like a comfort zone where people are, are comfortable is such a dangerous place. You know, I, that's what I personally think and others might feel differently about that, which is okay as well. But um Yeah, this is this is all great. Everything that you shared is huge. And I mean, you're such an inspiration. And the fact that you're out there passionately trying to help others do the same, those who are looking to do the same. Um, We need we need people like you out there in this world doing that. So it's huge. Uh, Matt, everything that you shared with us today, very much appreciated. Thank you so much. And, you know, if anyone's looking to connect with you, maybe in regards to real estate or coming on the podcast or talk about going from zero to complete financial freedom, what would be the best way to go ahead and reach out to you?
2: Yeah, I'll I'll go ahead and type in the chat, but it's just coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and they can go on there and book a call with us. And then we can kind of walk them through where they're at and where they need to go. It's a free call. And then that way we have free resources. Like we have 150 podcast episodes they can look to. We have other free resources. So in our call, we can help them determine where are they at? What does their journey look like? Show them where the free resources are. And if they want more than that, they can come on trips with us or some of the other things that we'll be doing to help people quickly move to financial freedom.
1: I love it. Well, thank you so, so much, Matt. This has been amazing. Yeah, thank you guys. Group, if you're listening and enjoyed, please like and subscribe if you're a six figure entrepreneur or higher and want to come on just like Matt Cavanaugh did today to share your story, talk about um, the business and the podcast, please go to top100interviews.com. We'd love to have you on as well. Thanks so much, guys. Catch you on the next episode.
0: Hey, everyone. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. As always, if you want to listen to more daily interview content, make sure you subscribe. And here's three ways I can help you in your business for free